When you're looking back at the Second World War as the good old days, you know you're in deep ration coupons. Korea, deep kimchi. Watts, deep trouble. The kind of trouble based in lies, manipulation, and intimidation at home. Well, stand tall, because this too shall pass, and your path to better times is paved with the truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And your master of the yellow brick road is Dan Newman. Let me ask you a personal question. Have you felt at any point when you've been listening to any of the political stuff, and I'm saying from every source, on every political outlet, have you got any sense or any feeling that there may be some nastiness some um, political militarization afoot. Now, I may be a conspiracy theorist, but i got to be honest with you. I'm just being honest. I'm asking you an honest question. And the reason I'm asking you is because I'm sensing that. When President Biden gets up and speaks and he uses the term the mega MAGA, Republicans. He does it with vitriol and anger and hatred behind him. Now, let me tell you this. Don't be tempted to dismiss our president when he speaks. Why I'm saying that is he is in a state of mind now where whatever comes to his mind, he talks about. Somebody behind him, you know, the Wizard of Oz that's standing by behind the curtain, somebody is speaking to Joe and he's parroting what he's being told. Now, they may not want him to parrot it, but he does often. And yesterday, the day before, he's out on the campaign trail. He sticks his foot in his mouth over and over again. But when he does, it seems like there's some truths slipping out that he's not supposed to say. And they're built into anger and hatred and vitriolic feelings for those who oppose him politically. And it's not just him. But listen, if it was just him, do you understand what kind of power this man has? What he can do if he wants to do it? If he drops a hint over there, let me just say this. If he got something in his crawl for Truth News Network, TNN Live, or Dan Newman, don't think for a second he couldn't make the rest of my life unbearable. Probably with one phone call. Now, should that scare us? No, it shouldn't scare us. But what it should do is make us understand there are political foes out there that are far beyond just sitting down and having a reasonable conversation with their political opponents. And most of those people, even though you hear the labels that everybody wants to tag on any conservative today, most of that anger, vitriol, and hatred, I don't think, and I'm not saying that everybody on the left hates everybody on the right. I'm not saying that at all. There's plenty of anger and hatred to go around on both sides. But what I am saying is, you know, when when you go hunting, I don't know if you've ever gone hunting, but if you're 
chasing something that you're wanting to hunt down and kill. Let me give you an example. A wild hog. I've been in the woods hunting for squirrel and rabbits, and I run across and chase up a wild hog. If it's a boar, the sow with the little piglets will take off running. That boar, oh my goodness, he'll turn around and charge you, and if you get him hemmed in and maybe he's wounded, he just becomes a rabbit. Now, I'm not likening Democrats to pigs. I didn't say that. I just thought somebody might infer that in what I just said, the illustration I gave. I'm just saying there are a lot of Democrats who feel like they're backed into a corner, and they really don't know how to get out of the corner, but they're ready and willing to fight to get out of it. Who's put them in the corner? It's not Donald Trump. They've got to have a straw man somebody that they can stand up there and throw darts at. You know what I'm talking about. And Trump is easy. He's not in office. Right now, he's feckless when it comes to governing because he doesn't have any governing power. But they're horrified that Donald Trump just might have a shot to get back to the White House. And when they think about that, they're backed into a corner and they go into a frenzy. Don't think for a second that that's not in the back of Joe Biden's mind. They're petrified. You know why? What did he do, Donald Trump, in his first four years, beginning with his first month in office? He began to open all the doors, throw up the windows, uncover all the secrets that had been covered up in the past. They didn't like that. Many people were held accountable for their previous wrongdoings, during Trump's four years. And if he had been reelected, if he had won that election and stayed in the White House, it would have been more, worse, horrible than it was in the first four years for the wrongdoers in the federal government. You do understand, the federal government, the people that work in the federal government, there are probably 10 times, if not more than that, I'll say this, there are more than 10 times. There there are 20 times more unelected bureaucrats than there are elected politicians. Think about that. So how does that play into this? Bureaucrats in D.C., they get so embedded in the infrastructure of Washington, D.C. and the U.S. government. In many cases, they are more powerful than those we elect. And they make it known. You know who they make it known to? Not to us. They make it known to those elected people we send up there. And those bureaucrats, almost en masse, when they talk to our elected officials, they talk down to them. Why? They have obtained the sense of power and authority. The bureaucratic state has become the swamp monster that Donald Trump went after. It wasn't elected Democrats in the House or the Senate. That weren't his foes. It was the bureaucratic state, the swamp monster that has been built and all everybody that comes to D.C. that are elected, what they must do is feed the swamp monster. And if anybody goes against that mantra, OMG, they're in the bullseye. 
of everybody on the left. That's what you and I are experiencing today in the run-up to today. Election. Elections. I've already gone and voted today. I don't need to tell you who I voted for. I think you know the president is not up for re-election, but everybody else, with a few exceptions, there are some senators that are not because their terms are six-year terms and they overlap, so not every senator faces an election every two years, every six years. So some of our elected officials aren't up for re-election. Every member of the House of Representatives is, and many of the senators. So I voted for my friend and a regular on the show, Congressman Mike Johnson, the 4th Congressional District. He's a Republican. I know that doesn't surprise you. I voted for my senator, my buddy, and who I call Mark Twain, the Mark Twain of this century, John Kennedy, voted for him, and the rest were state and local offices that we voted for. So you have the same responsibility. Whatever you do, go vote today. And as Joe Biden would say, if somebody behind the curtain told him to, he would say this, go vote, vote early, and vote often. (laughs) And that's applicable. (laughs) We're living in an environment where every day it seems like some more of that kind of stuff is uncovered from the previous elections. But that's a story for another day. What is the big story of the day? What is the 900-pound gorilla in the room. Where, oh, where are the Powerball numbers from last night? I always look, when when there's a big jackpot, even if I don't have a ticket, I always look the morning after to see if somebody won it and how many people won it and how much each of them won. And this morning when I looked, there was no result that was posted. And so I thought maybe something was up, and guess what? There is the highly anticipated drawing for a record $1.9 billion Powerball jackpot. Listen to this. It was delayed last night, of course, leaving people like me eager, anticipating those winning numbers. But here's what the Powerball official said early this morning. One participating lottery is still processing its sales and play data, and that all 48 participating lotteries are required to submit their data before the winning numbers can be drawn. Each state has its own lottery, and each state, not every one of them participates in Powerball, but it's an optional thing. So each of these states that participate, they got to have all their ducks in a row before they send their numbers to Powerball. The statement released this morning said Powerball has stringent security requirements to protect the integrity of the game and remains committed to holding a drawing that gives all players a fair chance to win. So due to the length of this delay, the results of the drawing are likely not going to be known until sometime this morning. They may already be known. I just, in prep for the show, I haven't looked. Players should hold on to their tickets, you think? The drawing will be performed under the supervision of lottery security officials and independent auditors once the security protocols are complete. 
the current prize exceeds the $1.586 billion jackpot that was the biggest. That was won back in 2016. So whoever wins this prize, the winner or winners will receive their winnings through an annuity paid over 29 years. However, there's a cash option. And I'm one of those, I'm 69. Come on, I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to be around. Or if I'm around in 20, uh, 24 years, that's how long the payout would be. I'm really not going to care. Cash mess estimate now is $929.1 million. $929.1 million in a check. In a check. So what would you do if that was yours? If somebody wrote you literally a check for $929.1 million, what would you do with it? Well, I can tell you the answer pops off the top of my head. Anything you want to. I mean, there's pretty much anything you could do, pretty much anything you could buy with that. But it's sad if you look into the lottery history through the years, through the decades, it's very seldom that any of these people do the right things. I did a little math last night, just wondering if uh, I took the $929 million. I got to pay my uh, income taxes on it. Louisiana, by the way, if you win one of these lotteries, the state or Powerball, you have no state tax. So that would mean I would have, let's just say roughly, $700 million dollars in cash. So while we're talking, let's do this again. Let's go 700 million times. And I got, if I put it all in the bank or spread it around among a bunch of banks, but I was getting, let's just say 6% interest. And I think right now it's safe to say that you could get that. Okay. 700 million how many zeros? Make sure you got the right ones. Okay, and I put 7%. My numbers aren't working. My computer's not working out. Anyway, I did it last night. Let me tell you what I came up with. Per day, per day, if you didn't touch any of the uh, 700 million, if you just lived off the income that came from the interest on it. 700 million at 7% is $95,000 a day. I think pretty much anybody listening could live on that. I'm pretty sure. I don't think anybody would say, ah, no thank you. <laughs> uh, I just hope, I hope it is a fair drawing. It's really odd that this happened on election day. Remember what happened in 2020 on election day? I mean, the night before, they had to shut everything down. Powerball had to shut everything down last night. And the next morning when we awakened election day morning after, it was just the beginning of all of the unbelievable chaos in counting votes and shipping all of our election results over to Europe to be processed over there and then sent back during the night, which they were, 
And I'm not an election denier. I'm a truther. I'm believing in what I know happened. That's the way I live my life. Were any of the votes changed? Have no idea. But why would we electronically send, not every state did it, but at least seven states did. It's been documented and shown and proven. The government won't talk about it. If I talk about it, if I was on a broadcast network show right now, my career would be over for saying what I just said. But it happened. It happened. 2,000 Mules, a documentary. It happened. It happened. I saw a massive amount of evidence that proved it. And it's an interesting story. The two people that were involved in that, coming up with the data and the information that went into that that movie, that documentary, were thrown in jail. I could not believe that happened. But they were thrown in jail. Have you heard about that? Two leaders of that integrity group, True the Vote, That's who created the documentary 2,000 Mules. Yesterday, they were released from jail after an appeals court overturned a judge's order that they be detained for contempt of court. Catherine Engelbrecht and Greg Phillips are the two. They were released by a panel on the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. It's ordered that petitioner's opposed motion for release from detention is granted pending further order of this court. That's what the Fifth Circuit said. The panel consisted of Circuit Judges Katharina Haynes, a George W. Bush appointee, Kurt Engelhart, a Trump appointee, and Andrew Oldham, also a Trump appointee. Engelbrecht and Phillips were released yesterday. The pair was sent to jail October 31st by U.S. District Judge Kenneth Hoyt, who, by the way, is a Reagan appointee, he found them in contempt of court for not giving up the identities of people who allegedly accessed information from CONAC. CONAC, K-O-N-N-E-C-H, is a Michigan-based election management software company whose founder was just arrested for allegedly stealing poll worker data and hosting the information on servers in China. The order for confinement was to be in place until the defendants fully complied with an order that they reveal certain information, including identities. Engelbrecht and Phillips say they passed on information that was legally obtained from Connick. They gave it to the FBI. One of their attorneys identified one of the individuals in question, Mike Hassan, during an October hearing, but they've declined since to share the names of the second person. Both the individuals are FBI informants. Those who thought that imprisoning Greg and I would weaken our resolve have gravely miscalculated. It's stronger than ever, Engelbrink said. The right to free and fair elections with no interference is more important than our own discomforts and even this detention, now reversed by a higher court. We are profoundly grateful for that. We will continue to protect and defend those who do the vital work of election integrity, and we will make sure that their findings become a matter of public record. So, 
Engelbrecht and Phillips. They work together, two different companies. True the Vote is a not-for-profit that's run by Engelbrecht. Greg Phillips owns one of the largest information IT and security companies on the planet that has operated for decades. And let me tell you what he does. He's been for decades contracted by foreign governments to monitor their elections to make sure there's no cheating. And there's never been a problem in his company. Some of the countries that he does work for, he's exposed corruption there. And so, true the vote, Engelbrecht partnered with Greg Phillips to monitor all of the election stuff that happened in 2020 live. And they found out the election in 2020 was stolen. What? Don't say a word. Do not throw anything at your computer screen. Don't get mad at me until and unless you watch the documentary 2,000 Mules. And I'm going to leave it right there. Now, you do understand that today is election day. Oh my gosh, we got to talk about election stuff. Well, we will, but it's also today, every Tuesday, is Steve Baker here on TNN Live, live from a trial of those horrible people that tried to take over the government on January 6, 2021, right? Those insurrectionists, led principally by those evil Oath Keepers. And Oath Keepers, six of them are on trial in Washington, D.C. Steve Baker has been there from the outset. He's there every day in court. He's in the media room live. He will step out of the courtroom and speak with us live at 10 o'clock. You want to be here in about 40 minutes because he's got some big, big news coming out of that trial. And he'll always do a lead-in when we visit, and he'll make sure that you understand exactly what's going on and why it is going on. But sit down before I tell you what's happening right now. Take a minute. Guess what was announced a little while ago? A court has extended the absentee ballot return deadline for some Cobb County, Georgia voters. Why? The county's election board failed to send out more than a thousand ballots on time. The Cobb County Board of Elections and Registration had not sent absentee ballots to hundreds of voters who requested them weeks earlier, despite a state legal requirement to do so within three days of processing an absentee ballot application. The Cobb County Superior Court extended the absentee ballot receipt deadline to November the 14th for all affected voters, which is also when uniformed and overseas voters' ballots are due. Some Cobb County voters who requested those absentee ballots have voted by other means, and of course we're talking about Georgia, so like I said, vote early and vote often. (laughs) The board mailed ballots to some of the still-impacted voters overnight. This is according to the court. It ordered that replacement absentee ballots be overnighted 
to still affected voters who had not yet been sent one. That's the first thing we've heard. There's another one. You're going to love this one. Strippers at a topless bar in North Hollywood, California have got to wait for results of an election to form a union because of a dispute yesterday involving vote-by-mail ballots. Now, I'm not talking about a California election. I'm talking about an election to form a union. Several of the dancers at the Star Garden Dive Bar, they want to form a union within the Actors' Equity Association. But the management of the bar alleges that many of the ballots were submitted by people who have never worked there. Here's what the LA Times said. The National Labor Relations Board said Monday that a majority of the ballots were challenged by the club, Star Garden, and the Labor Board couldn't complete a tally. The director of the board's Region 31 Los Angeles office will need to determine whether the 16 challenge ballots should be opened and counted. One ballot cast in the mail-in vote wasn't challenged, and one ballot was voided. They've got attorneys involved in this. Mail-in ballots, absentee ballots. Let me tell you what. We, the United States of America, are at the back of the bus when you start talking about elections around the globe how succinct all of the issues and processes are, how coordinated and effective they are, and how little they have problems like we have here in the U.S. You know why? Listen to this. In fact, the safest, the freest, the freest election process on the planet is run by one of the, 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 the countries you wouldn't believe. Afghanistan. Afghanistan runs the best and the safest election system on the planet. You know how? They don't have electronic voting machines. They don't have mail-in ballots. If you're going to vote, you're eligible to vote, you go vote live. You know how you vote? You walk into your polling place, you show them ID, your ID. Uh-oh, ID. Racist, racist. So they got to show an ID to vote. When they're proven that they're that person, they go and it's paper ballot. They fill out their ballot. They drop it in a box. And standing next to the box is a guy with an automatic weapon. And he has one purpose. He makes sure that every person they vote before they leave the voting office they must stick their forefinger into a bottle of ink that takes weeks to get off that finger, your forefinger. Why do they do that? One person, one vote. There's never a question, never a problem of somebody voting in more than one place. Now, I'm not, I'm not into the ink thing, but I can tell you this. Most countries on the planet, the vast majority of countries on the planet, don't have mail-in voting. If you're going to vote, you vote in person. If you can't vote in person, you're going to miss that election. 
I got to be honest with you. This all began here in the United States when people began to look at elections as a chore. Oh my gosh, I got to take off work to go. Why don't we do this? Why don't we do away with mail-in balloting? It's all voter and person stuff. And let's make election day a Tuesday, a national holiday. Everybody's off work. Your employers will give you one more day off, but you must go vote if you're employed. Think about that. Would that not be an easier way? It really softens the burden of asking your boss to get off work to go vote. But it also will give us a sense that there's something important that we're having this quote-unquote holiday to go do, and that is to vote. And I would, I would expect every employer, if somebody doesn't come up to work, make sure they go vote. So we're going to take our first break, but let me tell you what. We have so much more coming. If you just joined us, Steve Baker joins us live at the top of this next hour, 10 o'clock sharp central. And we're going to be speaking to him from a Washington, D.C. courtroom. No, he's not on trial. He's going to tell us today that he may have to testify in that trial. But between now and 10 o'clock, we got much more coming back in two minutes. Don't you dare go away. Don't you dare leave the show. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's quality guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. I'm Chad Hall, and I'm here with the first ever Silverado ZR2. This is probably the first time you've seen this truck, but I've been racing a prototype version for over a year. We just inspired this pre-production truck you see behind me. Let's go see what it'll do. Copy. It's got phenomenal power, acceleration, good ground clearance, skid protection, and you've got the Multimatic GSSV shocks, so it's just gonna be that much more of a fun truck. Copy. It's an amazing truck. You're going to want to get your hands on one. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342, 529-8342. In a world of weapons-grade stupidity, your defense is the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. In our show opening today, I talked to you about some of the craziness, the anger, the hatred, the vitriol that is being spewed in the run-up to this election. Democrats are just, their heads are exploding. 
I don't have any other way to explain it, no better way to explain it. And if you've watched any, and I've watched a lot, it's unbelievable some of the things they are saying. Dave Rubin, he um, he did a, a segment on his show yesterday about MSNBC and how nuts the people on MSNBC are going. Uh, MSNBC, which as I always tell people, if you watch it knowing that it's a televised mental institution, it's much more entertaining. Uh, they're trying to freak people out to the highest level. I mean, this one was truly, this is truly, truly bananas. Here's a presidential historian on uh, what's about to happen. This speech seemed in some senses more specific about the developments that we're seeing everywhere from the Arizona poll stalkers to the secretaries of state who who refused to uh, say that they'll accept the elections. What do you view as the key takeaway of the speech tonight? We could be six days away from losing our rule of law and losing a situation where we have elections that we all can rely on. A historian will say what was at stake tonight and this week was the fact whether we will be a democracy in the future, whether our children will be arrested and conceivably killed, we're on the edge of a brutal authoritarian system, and it could be a week away. Viva, we're not only losing democracy, uh, but they're also going to kill the children. <laughs> I mean, but, but, what well, is going on here? I, I should have been wearing the shirt that says confession through projection, because the only pe- the only party that's been jailing people, I'll, I'll save, I'll, I'll save the, I'll, I'll not get into the killing of people, but jailing people, bastardizing democracy has been the, the, the party in power for the last two years, jailing Bannon, jailing all of their political adversaries, uh, acquitting all of their you know, political allies. This man is describing what the party that is trying to preserve its control is and has been doing. It's confession through projection through and through. But my goodness, that's hyperbolic even for that individual who I've never heard of before. Malice, I take it that you'd be okay with some kidnapping and killing of children in the name of liberty. Well, only the fat and ugly ones. But I, I do want to point out that like some of while, us do grow up and have normal, happy lives. Please. <laughs> and that, but Viva, I just want to make your point. You just made my argument for me. The Democrats are imprisoning their political opponents, and and you get to sit here and kind of roll your eyes and laugh about it. Which of those two sides is winning? The people laughing or the people doing the imprisoning? Which side would you want to be on? I, I, I'll, in malice, you might call me the person who would rather die than kill, but I would rather not be the people doing the evil. So in as much as I, I think repercussions for those who do, I, I would not want to be that monster. I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel better living with myself like that than living as a victim of, of, of that type of violence. Okay, and, and that is exactly why America is in the state it's in today, because of people like you on the right. I'm Canadian, dude. I'm not, I have that. <laughs> That's what I meant. He, well, he also wisely <laughs> moved to Florida where we have some defenses against, against some of this stuff. And by the way, Florida, Malice, is doing some of the things that you were asking some of the states to do related to voting. We are encouraging uh, in-person voting. You have to have an ID. They're discouraging mail-in ballots, although they're doing a little bit because of the hurricane. So there are, it's a little easier, I think, maybe for Viva to say it here in the safety of Florida, because it's true rather than in Canada. Let me just let me just point out something here. Have you kept up with the numbers of the executive orders that this president has ordered or issued? Now, what they were just talking about, the MSNBC sycophants were talking about, is uh, authoritarian rule, and they're going to arrest us and kill our kids. I don't think. I pray and hope that no 
Nobody sees any of that happening in the United States. And it certainly won't happen under Republican rule. What people don't understand, they they pointed at Donald Trump for four years. He's an authoritarian, authoritarian ruler. He's a dictator wannabe. Do you realize that Joe Biden has already issued as many executive orders as did Donald Trump in four years? Now, what difference does that make? What does it mean, Dan? Well, it means this. Biden is unable to get most of this super far-left stuff passed, principally the Green New Deal stuff, renewable energy, getting rid of cars, gas cars, and all that kind of stuff. He can't do it legislatively. And so what does that mean? Well, the legislative body is combined by the House and the Senate. Who do those people work for? Who do they answer to? Supposedly, they answer to the people that elect them. That's what living in a democracy is all about. We don't, by the way, live in a democracy. We live in a representative republic. We elect 535 people to represent us directly. 435 in the House, 100 in the Senate. Those people vote the voices of their people. So Joe Biden can't get a lot of this crap passed. In many cases, he doesn't even try to. He very quietly goes to his office and he writes. No, he doesn't write. Somebody else writes for him. But there is an executive order for these things and he just very quietly signs it. And it doesn't take the effect of law, but what it does, it puts in process the processes to make a lot of this stuff happen. And unless and until it is uh, the subject of a lawsuit filed by somebody, they're going to put it into practice. They're doing that every day. That is authoritarian rule. That is the actions of a dictator wannabe. And the Republicans, all they want is legislation. Give us a chance to be the voices of the people. Let us pass legislation that the people want. Let us go back to the four years of Trump in many ways. Go back there and reclaim that foundation and then let's start rebuilding from there. It was darn good when Trump was living in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and we need to get it back to where it was pro pandemic. Get it to what it looked like pre-pandemic because we're out of the pandemic. Of course, Joe Biden won't formally say that because he feels like he can do more of this executive action because being in a pandemic is an emergency situation. That gives a president authority that they don't have when there's no national emergency going on. Now, Biden has slipped up a couple of times and he said publicly, oh, the pandemic's over. And then people, his handlers are screaming and hollering in his earpiece. No, 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 don't say that. Don't say that. Because if we are, he can't do a bunch of this executive action that he's taking. Politicization is the scourge of mankind. 
Because what happens in the politicization of living day to day, the people that use that, they use it as a weapon to take control of people. And that's what this administration is all about. That's what the Hillary Clinton administration was supposed to be all about. And Donald Trump, he got to the party before Hillary did, didn't he? And locked her out. So he slowed down that objective that Barack Obama told us. He was going to lead the fundamental change of America. That was what his purpose was. And he started it very quietly. He found out in the first couple of years of his first four years that he couldn't just bulldoze the American people. And so he did it slowly. It began very surreptitiously, quietly, secretly. But we saw it happen. And Hillary was supposed to take the torch and pass it forward after her eight years. Of course, that didn't happen. Trump just messed it up. And so they got Joe in there now, and Joe's trying to do it, and he is just, oh my gosh, he rolls on three wheels. He is just not all there. I respect the office of the presidency, and I pray for Joe Biden every day. I want him to succeed in leading our nation and keeping us safe. I never want any president to fail because that's like hoping the pilot, the left seat guy in the jet that you're on going maybe to Hawaii or maybe to Turks and Caicos. <laughs> I would love to go to Mara to either place, preferably Turks and Caicos. But I want that pilot to be very successful getting me there. After we land the jet, I don't care what happens. I'm off the jet. You see where I'm going? And then we look at elections. It's just like this Powerball thing. It doesn't matter if there's a winner today. Half of the nation is going to think they cheated because they didn't do the numbers in the normal process. It sounds so eerily similar to the 2020 election. And because of that, I promise you, you watch. When they get the winner of the Powerball, the big one, the big one if it's one or two winners, there are going to be a bunch of people that start this conspiracy theory that they manipulated the voting or the pulling of the numbers. They picked, they chose who the winner was going to be. And therefore, it was illegal. That's going to happen. What's going to happen today regarding our election? I don't know. We'll wait and see. But I, I did my part. I voted. And I feel good about the choices that I made. I prayed about them. I, and I'll tell you, my wife will tell you, we researched all of the measures, the amendments in our state constitution, all those things. We researched them and we voted from a position of uh, educated. We knew what we were doing when we decided which of those we would vote for and which we would vote against. And the only two I'm going to tell you about, as I already have, I voted for Mike Johnson, congressman from the Louisiana 4th District, and I voted for John Kennedy, U.S. Senator for the state of Louisiana. I've got great respect for both of them. And I think they're both on the right track with what they've been doing, and they've proven that. Um, So why would I not vote for them? There's some good news coming out of Arizona today. Blake Masters 
has a narrow lead. It was announced overnight over the incumbent Democrat Mark Kelly. A survey of 1,359 voters in Arizona and this particular poll has a plus or minus three-point margin of error. The Democrat-leaning data for progress poll showed Masters leading Kelly 50% to 49%. That's a virtual tie that matches recent polling. Masters has had a much tougher battle to win the Senate seat than Carrie Lake has had in her bid for governor out there, mostly because of the fact that Mark Kelly, he enjoys the incumbent advantage. Carrie Lake's Democrat opponent, Katie Hobbs, she refused to even show up to any, not one debate. Regardless, recent polling has given Masters a slight edge over Kelly as he has slowly climbed to contender status since the summer. That's a big race. Let's just say this. The race in Georgia between Raphael Warnock and the running back, Herschel Walker, That race, John Fetterman against Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania, that's a huge race. And this Arizona race, those are the three big ones that if Republicans win those three, there will be a Republican majority in the U.S. Senate. And I think everybody feels confident there's already going to be a Republican majority in the House of Representatives. So we were talking about, or I was talking about, and if you want to talk about any of this, call in. We'd love to put you on the air. Toll free, 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. We were talking a little bit earlier about some of the slips and the stuff that Joe Biden does. And, you know, he's, he's all in with the green new energy stuff. And he's making predictions. We're going to do this. We're going to shut down this. Uh, we're going to have all electric cars by by this. And he gives different year numbers all the time. He's all over the place. But in a speech in Pennsylvania, of all places, he just stepped in it. He absolutely stepped in it. The president of the United States uh, in one of the most, the top, energy, fossil fuel, energy producing states there is, he got up on the stage and he just began to tell them, hey, I'm going to shut down coal plants. We know that doing renewable energy is much, much cheaper than generating electricity from coal plants. We're going we're gonna to shut them down, not only in Pennsylvania. We're going to shut them down all over the nation. Well, that didn't set too well with a bunch of people, as you can imagine. Mike Rowe. Mike Rowe, you know who he is. He weighed in on uh, what Biden had to say. The president says, Mr. Biden says, coal plants across America will be shut down and replaced by green energy. Roll it. It's also now cheaper to generate electricity from wind and solar than it is from coal and oil, literally cheaper. We're going to be shutting these plants down all across America and having wind and solar. Okay, well, Senator Joe Manchin called those comments outrageous, and that forced the White House to once again walk back the president's remarks. Mike Rowe is with me. How America works. This is the man who does that. Okay. You know, I hate to say this, but sometimes, Mike, it sounds like the president it doesn't really respect 
blue-collar workers. You know what I mean? Uh, <clears throat> yes, I know what you mean. And uh, I think that sentiment is probably uh, alive and well in more than a few places. But I don't, I don't know that this issue is really about the workers. I think it's about the people who rely on energy. It's about <laughs> all of us. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky. I, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, this morning about the same thing. Who's on the left side of the aisle? And he said, it's, it's unpleasant when you have to decide whether or not the president meant what he said yep. or not. Yep. It's, it's awkward. Yeah. You know, if, if, if his comments need to be explained, then what does that, what does that even mean? And I don't, I don't have any answers for it other than I'm pretty sure that China and India combined are building a coal plant every week. Yep. And they have plans to continue for the next three decades. Yep. So there's a bigger story, and I'm not sure why we would well, end you're, it here. You're right to identify the bigger story, because if the White House has to walk back what the president said, who is in charge of saying what policy is? The walker backer. Uh, the walker backer. And that doesn't make any sense. I mean, the president uh, just uh, yesterday, I think it was, he said, no more oil drilling. Or words to that effect. Mm -hmm. We're not drilling for oil. Well, we are. Of course we are. Which is not drilling enough for oil. It's <clears throat> the very first episode we did of How America Works back in season one was on oil. It was on one of thousands of oil companies in this country called Cameron Energy. And I got some pushback for it, but mostly what I got from viewers was surprise. They were like, so we're still doing that. I'm like, of course we're still doing that. Oil, natural gas. Fossil fuels, we can talk very grandly and broadly about what the future might hold decades down the line. But right now, we are deeply, deeply reliant on those energies. And I, I, I don't understand why we would pretend we're not. Because the Greens run the government, I suspect. I'm a simple man, Stuart. I, I, <laughs> no, you're not. You're the host of uh, How America Works. That's true. And you can see the latest edition tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Fox Business Prime. You're my lead-in. Correct. I follow you at yes, 9 o'clock. Yes, you do. My job is to simply smooth out the runway so you can come in with American Built and once again just... Get your ratings and do your thing. I'm happy to help. But if I, <laughs> thank you very much, Nero. You're all right. We'll see you soon. Sure. So that was an explanation of Joe Biden in Pennsylvania. What he said about the coal business. You know, we're gonna we're gonna shut them down. We're gonna shut them down. Well, the White House has not. They couldn't be coy about what the president said. So this morning, one of my members of Congress from Louisiana, Steve Scalise. He's a friend of this show. He's on this show. Congressman, he is the minority whip in the House of Representatives. He joined Maria Bartiromo this morning and uh, talked about what Biden said about stopping oil drilling. No more oil drilling. All right, the White House this morning is walking back President Biden's comments that he made this past week, last week, on coal. Watch this. The president's words, we believe, were twisted, um, and uh, we were very clear about that. And anyone who knows Joe Biden knows he comes from a coal, uh, a coal country from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Okay, so we wanted to know what exactly was twisted. Here's what Joe Biden said about coal on Friday. It's also now cheaper to generate electricity from wind and solar than it is from coal and oil, literally cheaper. We're going to be shutting these plants down all across America. 
and having wind and solar. Joining me right now is House, House Minority Whip and member of the House Energy and Commerce Committee, Steve Scalise. Congressman, it's great to see you this morning. Thanks very much for being here. There really wasn't much to twist. He said it out loud. He's going to shut down all the coal plants across the country. Well, happy election day to you, Maria, first of all, and uh, especially there in New York, where I think the people are going to take their state back by electing Lee Zeldin. Uh, you know, the president's spokesperson just referenced Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, Jim Bognett is going to flip the House seat in Scranton, Pennsylvania, from Democrat to Republican because they don't like President Biden's anti-American energy strategy. He's done this from day one. He said it during the campaign when he was running for office. He said, no more drilling, period. Uh, did he forget that he said it? Because that's what he said. And then he did those things through executive action over and over again. He's attacked American energy and it's led to skyrocketing prices. And by the way, Maria, it's not cheaper to use wind and solar, even with the subsidies than coal and natural gas. And yet he's crushed American energy. It hurts families. Families are furious with it. And they're going to be voting against Democrats who joined with Biden for all these radical Green New Deal policies. It's why we're going to have this red wave. It means everybody's got to go out and vote. Make sure you vote today. But that's what's going to happen. And it's because of what Biden has done. And he continues to go after American energy. Well, isn't it a beautiful thing, our democracy, that is, that we could actually see the last two years of disastrous policies and their disastrous outcomes and come out and vote it out and want change. That is the beautiful thing about America. But I want to get your thoughts on the president and the Democrats' closing message to voters. Jerry Baker's new op-ed in the journal claims that the midterms endanger Democrats, not democracy. He writes, America's democracy is guaranteed and protected by a constitution of extraordinary genius, complexity, and durability. To suggest it is one set of midterm elections away from extinction is ludicrous and hyperbole. Well said from Jerry. Your thoughts, Congressman? I couldn't agree more, Maria, with that. And, and in fact, if you look, Democrats have been threatened by the loss of their own personal power. And they used, they had the House, Senate, and White House for the last two years. They could have used all that power to go help families instead. They did it to amass more power amongst themselves at the expense of hardworking families. And now those hardworking families are going to speak out at the ballot box against Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and the radical left's policies. And they are scared to death up in Washington that they're going to lose that power. They don't care about people. They didn't fight for people. We as Republicans have put a commitment to America out there showing the public what we would do if we get the House. And that's why we're going to get the House, because people are excited about a bold conservative vision for, for people that are willing to fight for them and, and help them to lower costs, to address crime, to secure the border, the things that people care about. It's not about Democrats' power, which is going to be taken away today. It's about those hardworking families who are struggling because the Democrats had all levers of power and abused that power to enrich themselves and their vision for a socialist left America, which is not what America wants. Well, look, I mean, we've already seen the impact of the Democrats' massive spending and $5 trillion in borrowing on Joe Biden's watch. But you also want to stop further mistakes from happening, which is why one of the priorities I know is to stop the money, $80 billion earmarked for the IRS, to hire 87,000 new IRS agents. What's the plan to stop that? How will you do it? Just defund the money? 
Yeah, on day one in a Republican majority in January, you'll see us bring a bill to defund those 87,000 IRS agents. Frankly, we need more support at the border. We don't need IRS agents, and it's been confirmed by independent agencies. They're going to be going after lower and middle income families and small business owners. That's not what we need in our economy. Yeah, well, look, after that 87,000 uh, hire that Joe Biden wants to do, it'll be 166,000 IRS agents versus 15,000 or 20,000 border agents. I think it's closer to 15,000, but it's just extraordinary. Here's Joe Biden giving his midterm predictions last night. Watch. I'm feeling uh, I'm optimistic, and I'm always optimistic. The Democrats win the House? I think it's going to be tough, but I think we can. I think we'll win the Senate. I think the House is tougher. Liz Peek, jump in. Good morning, Congressman. Uh, a lot of what has happened in this White House has come through executive actions and regulations. Uh, shutting down the coal plants they're trying to do via regulations on uh, various emission standards changing. Uh, can you tell me what is the House going to do and the Energy Subcommittee going to do to prevent that happening? Because it is not just talk. Unfortunately, Biden is following up with some big rules changes which could really imperil uh, our coal-fired plants. Yeah, and they've done most of this through regulation. You know, it's canceling pipelines, not just Keystone, all kind of other pipelines, not issuing new permits, uh, not issuing new leases, not having lease sales. Over and over again, the Biden administration has been anti-American energy. And I say American because Biden was okay with pipelines for Russia. He was okay with drilling when he begged Russia and Saudi Arabia to drill for oil. He just doesn't want America to do it. And the problem is we, we do it better than anywhere else in the world. We should be doing more of it here. So we're going to bring bills through the Energy and Commerce Committee, the Natural Resources Committee, to open that back up again. Obviously, you need a Republican Senate that would take up and pass these bills. You need a president that would be willing to sign them. But we need to give President Biden that opportunity uh, to, here's a bill, Mr. President, to lower energy costs for families who are struggling. Will you sign or veto that bill? Uh, he needs to be put in that position. And let's see what he says. So you got a president of the United States, and he, on his first day in office, he went after the fossil fuel, the hydrocarbon industry, and uh, he just made an announcement. We're going to shut it all down. We're going to turn into renewable energy. I mean, that's the way we've got to go. we got to protect our planet, all of the hoo-ha that's been going on for 50, 60 years, and none of it ever comes to pass. In fact, the exact opposite is true. That's a story for another day. But nevertheless, he attacks more than a quarter of a million people directly and indirectly. And I'm not talking about consumers. I'm talking about people that work in the fossil fuel industry. That that day, their futures were erased at the chalkboard of America by the President of the United States. And he has spent every day since screaming and hollering about some more stuff. And he always circles back to energy. And he's a renewable energy. And you know why he likes it so much? It's not because it's so good. It's not because of that at all. Joe Biden has the number one inferiority, uh, inferiority complex that I've seen out of anybody ever at the top of the government. He, he wants people to like him. And so when he gets together in a group and he spends all that time, all his time with the same people, 
He wants them to like him and accept him for who he is. So what does he do? He gives up his ideology and adopts theirs. He reflects all of the people that he hangs around with, just like you and me. I mean, I spend most of my time with Mary Ann, and I think just like her. <laughs> if, if you believe that, <laughs> I don't. But you know what I'm talking about. Politics, it's a little bit different. Hey, Steve Baker, live from D.C. He's up next. The truth. Straight. No chaser. TNN. The Truth News Network. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, he has Bud Light. And a chainsaw. got Steve Baker. What we don't have Steve Baker. I got a text from him saying he was ready to go and I said I'll call you during the commercial break. I've been calling and it's ringing busy and I texted him and said hey we're trying to get you on live right now and it's ringing busy and he replied and said hmm I'm not on the phone. Let's try it now. You, There you go. There you go. Steve, it's ringing busy if you're listening. He said just a second ago he'll call me uh, on another line, and so we're going to try that now. Let me see if I can, uh, I'm going to say yes. And so you know how it works in radio when you do live stuff on the air. Now, let's see. He's calling in. Well, sir, are you there? Well, wait just a second. I got to get you over here on the right. I was just explaining to the people that uh, when uh, when you do radio stuff and you have people that you call live on the air, most of the time you're going to have some problems. Some of the time, and you know what I'm <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. When when I called your number and I know that you're in a Washington D.C. courthouse and it rang busy, and you said you weren't on the phone. I just thought, oh, my gosh, they've shut down his phone because they know he's talking to us. I, I, my first thought as well. 
well, we're not conspiracy nuts, but you're right smack dab in the middle of one of the the biggest conspiracy theories in the last few years in American history. This is from January 6th, and that evil group of patriots, the Oath Keepers, that they were the insurrectionist leaders that day, right? That's what is being alleged. And you are, what, three, four weeks into the Oath Keepers trial now? Oh, man, I know. This is the beginning of the sixth week. Oh, my gosh. Man, yeah. time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> That's one way of putting it. Well, listen, I, I know that it's not the best situation that you're in for having a radio interview. Of, you got to step out of the court courtroom, step out of the media room. So I want to I want to respect your time. I know there are some things happening, big things happening. So I want to give you the floor. Give us the skinny. Well, uh, let's just jump right into the bombshell if you want to. Uh, we had Stuart Rhodes, the founder and leader uh, of the Oath Keepers, on the witness stand all day yesterday. And then, of course, also Friday morning. Uh, we can circle back and talk about that a little bit if you want to. But this morning, while I was going through my routine of waiting for the cafeteria to open at 8 o'clock, and I was having a nice, pleasant conversation with Alan Fuhrer, the uh, lead investigative reporter for the New York Times, and Lee Bright, the attorney for Stuart Rhodes, came up to our table, sat down, and dropped a bombshell on us. Give us, give us the, the truth about that. This morning, or late last night, rather, they were informed that their first witness scheduled to testify this morning, his name is McWhorter, was boarding a flight to D.C. and then was allegedly approached by flight attendants and alerted that he might be having a heart attack of some sort. And this was attributed to some form of a long COVID issue. And as a result of that, they took him off the flight as a medical emergency and prevented him from coming to DC. Well, that, we throws, were told, that throws a monkey wrench into the day's expectations. It's a big monkey wrench, but when you get it in context, you're not going to believe this. In the last 15 hours, two other witnesses that were supposed to testify today have been approached by the FBI for their own investigation into their own January 6th activities. The timing is highly suspect. The government has had this witness list for months and they've only threatened them with investigation in the last 15 hours. It's not suspect to me, buddy. We both it's know. Not suspect. No, we know both. We both know what's going on there. They do not like the way the trial is going, and they just are doing anything and everything that they can to stop it from going forward. And attorney, attorney Lee Bright is absolutely livid. They know that these are dirty tricks being played by the government, and as a result of this, this is thrown today's hearing into complete chaos once again. And 
as a result of this, three of the four witnesses that the defense had slated for today are not able to appear because these other two witnesses, uh, Dario Aquino and Ricky Jackson, now have what is called serious exposure and therefore may be forced to plead the Fifth Amendment <laughs> and not be able to testify. I'm not laughing to be laughing because it's funny. It's I expected stuff like this to happen during the trial, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I just know just from watching and listening to what's gone on, I expected there to be some monkey wrenches in this thing as the trial progressed because who's getting busted at the end of this? You and I both know it's going to be the FBI. And they're not willing to let their backsides be exposed in a federal court hearing that is this big and this public. Well, there was a insinuation from attorney bright this morning that they would be immediately called into what's called a sealed session and as a result of that uh the reporter for the new york times and another reporter uh his name is parloff and he was with a law and crime publication they immediately sent a letter to judge Maida asking for an explanation to go on the record publicly of why this was going to be a sealed meeting and that also after the meeting that we would be fully explained what the results of that were. But what ended up happening is it ended up not being sealed. It was an open court discussion and the attorneys were able to come forward and argue their displeasure with the government on these sudden last minute investigations of their own witnesses. And they were passionately uh, upset in the courtroom. And unfortunately, as we've seen before in this trial, Judge Maida immediately said, well, there's no precedent that prevents the government, the FBI, for continuing their investigations into potential uh, defendants, uh, people that participated in a crime, that sort of thing. Not yielding that the timing was highly suspect. And of course, we expect that from Meta. Nevertheless, the government got up and argued that they were willing to get on an airplane, fly out to Montana, do a deposition of McWhorter as soon as they found out what his health conditions are. And then that also that the court could appoint to Ricky Jackson, an attorney so that he could decide whether or not to plead the fifth or not. Now, Dario Kino, who was also set to uh, testify today, he has an attorney who has already advised him against testifying, although he has himself uh, expressed his willingness to go ahead and waive his right uh, to plead the fifth and go ahead and testify. But as it stands right now, neither one of those are going to take the stand today. So what are those guys, what are those guys there to testify about? What's their, their, their big thing that they're going to bring to this trial? 
Well, they're going to continue along with several of the other uh, oath keepers, some who have been cooperative witnesses for the defense, I'm sorry, for the prosecution, who have said that there was no planning for insurrection. There was no planning to enter the Capitol. There was no planning to bring their guns to the Capitol. There was no planning to interdict and stop the uh, confirmation of the vote on January 6th. Let me, let me, let me, was meeting that day to do. let me stop you right there and just interject something here. When all of this began to happen and the investigations began to occur, and of course, long before the real investigation occurred, uh, the media had already prosecuted and found guilty every member of the Oath Keepers. I asked this question. In fact, I asked it of Congressman Mike Johnson live on this show. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. This group went to Washington, D.C., to perpetrate an insurrection, to overthrow the government, to invade the Capitol and hold the vice president of the United States and keep him from performing his constitutional duty of confirming the vote and not one of them took a gun? Dan, by the FBI own testimony, as a government witness, they admitted that there were only 15 to 20 Oath Keepers involved in this conspiracy. <laughs> and and so 15 to 20 people were going to unarmed overpower two fully armed law enforcement divisions, the U S Capitol police, the DC Metro police, including tactical units of the FBI, the ATF, the U S marshals and embedded special operatives from the armies they were going to this is what this is their this is their case it's like the january 6th committee part two. <laughs> oh, absolutely there's absolutely. no substance to this thing and how there's much no how much money are the taxpayers spending for this trial it's just Mill, unf- millions yeah it's unfathomable but it all is based around the Department of Justice trying to cover their butt, period. Top to bottom, that's what it's about. Well, they, they need a scapegoat, Dan. They need a political scapegoat. This is a political trial. Make no mistake about it. And the conspiracy charges you and I have discussed before, this is a thought crime. This is state of mind. It's what they said. It's not what they did. It's what their plans were if President Trump had declared and evoked or invoked rather the Insurrection Act. And this is what was said in uh, Stuart Rhodes' testimony for a day and a half, that there was no intention whatsoever to do anything untoward illegally otherwise except under the cover of a presidential declaration of the Insurrection Act. That's it. And in this case, the political pressure is to create a group of scapegoats, in my mind, to divert the attention away from who the true conspirators were that day. And, you know, I'll just say this. I'm not a conspiracy guy either. I know what I saw with my own eyes. I know what I 
capture it on my own video camera. And I can tell you that there were other forces involved and there were other unindicted conspirators in this situation that they do not want us to know about. And if they can get a string of convictions over the course of two or three big trials, two Oath Keepers trials, Proud Boys trial, and they can hang seditious conspiracy on these individuals, then they have what they need for their narrative and also to divert any other investigation into who actually is responsible for January 6th. Let me ask you a question, Steve. Do you know how many of these people have uh, already been tried and found guilty? Uh, There have been over 900 arrests related to January 6th. The vast majority of those have taken plea deals to basically, you know, the, the, what I call the glorified trespassing charge. Yeah. By the Department of Justice's own statements, only about 225 individuals actually did violence and property damage that day. And so those trials have not all happened yet. They've been universally uh, either pleading out or have received convictions. And, uh, and they should be. If they did violence that day, they deserve whatever they have coming to them. Absolutely. And myself, as I said, not being a conspiracy theorist, and it was interesting to hear Attorney Lee Wright this morning. He said, you know, this is to me and uh, Alan Fuhrer from the New York Times. He said, I am the last guy that looks for a conspiracy. In fact, when I hear one, I dismantle them uh, as, as swiftly as I hear them. He said, this government right now in this case is turning me into a conspiracy theorist. It's very obvious, even to the lay person, when I'm a lay person, when I hear your uh, narrative where you're explaining what's going on. And of course, mainstream media won't touch this with a 10 foot pole. So most people that go to the legacy media folks to get all their news there, when they hear anything, they're going to say, Oh, that's just another conspiracy theory. This isn't. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Dad, they're going to have to cover that this morning. And I will tell you also, the New York Times reporter, he and I have become very friendly over the last few weeks. And he's a good guy. He's really smart. He's definitely in the tank for the government narrative most of the time. Yeah, sure. But his his eyebrows were up, his ears were perked, and he was saying... We have to do what is necessary to get this into the record. And he himself co-signed that letter this morning to Judge Maida saying, we want to know what's going on. When will, you get, that, when will you get that answer, do you know? Uh, I don't think that Maida's going to respond to uh, the press <laughs> directly very soon. Shot. Although I think he's going to have to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but he, if- must, he must first get to the bottom of the direct complaints from the entire group of defense counsel, and this is for all five defendants, who took their turn this morning to walk up to the lectern and to express their concern. And in fact, uh, attorney um, Jeff Woodward, who was representing Kelly Meggs, he went right on the record to say, he had every hesitation from this point forward of notifying the government 
under their 24-hour rule of who the witnesses are that he's calling because he believes that they're going to suffer a similar fate in an investigation from the FBI if he announces when they're going to be testified. And you can bet that there is a pipeline from the federal courthouse to the J. Edgar Hoover building uh, just a few blocks away when they know who the next witness is going to be. This is unconscionable. I've never heard this, this happening in any any federal trial, especially one that is so public and is so propped up and so untruthful in its very foundation. This blows my mind that this is happening. I I'm not I'm not saying it's it's illegitimate or anything like that yet, but what I am saying this is supposed to be this court is supposed to be the number one court shy of the United States Supreme Court. And this is happening on Maida's watch, and it's already a black eye on his career, I guarantee you. Well, I'm going to give you one more little uh, intrigue to insult piece of information. All right. I received a request last night from the defense team for Kelly Meggs for one of my own videos to be entered into evidence in this trial. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're you're not technically involved in the trial, and they're wanting to bring your video in. That's correct. What does your attorney Here's, say? <laughs> well, he's scared to get to death that this will put me back on the radar screen of the Department of Justice. And there's there's two aspects involved with this. And and first of all, let me give you the what this video consists of all right uh, three or four weeks ago in the trial one of the fbi agents presented allegedly that there was evidence that the oath keepers were in the area where nancy pelosi's office sign the, the sign that leads into her chambers yeah was ripped off busted into a bunch of pieces handed out as souvenirs to some of the protesters there i think there was a british film crew that captured this happening and um the implication was that the oath keepers were in that very particular crowd at that moment and therefore are therefore subject to the the aiding and abetting charge that they're also all charged with for property destruction well guess what yours truly was coming out of Pelosi's chambers at that very moment <laughs> captured the sign destruction from the other side facing the crowd and my camera scans the entire crowd and guess who's not there that's exactly no oath that's exactly why your attorney said under no circumstances let me just you're my friend to start off with let me just tell you this if it becomes public that that video is going to go on record in this courtroom and in this trial. I know you've already been contacted by the FBI and they put you on point to be expected to be indicted for whatever. You you explained it to me one time and we don't need to go yeah. into that. But if, if it becomes public that you are going to go on record with this video, you can bet 
the FBI will show up at your hotel room before it goes into record. Well, I'm going to tell you what my uh, discussion with my attorney entailed. (laughs) (laughs) I will remind you that my interview with the FBI was over a year ago. Yeah. 13, 13 months ago. They've done nothing since about it. Did they just put they, you, were they trying to scare you into submission? Oh, no. We we actually received a letter from a an assistant U.S. attorney out of Philadelphia the week before Thanksgiving last year that they were going to charge me within the week. And then we never heard from them again. So roughly almost a year ago that we received that notice and then they went completely silent. Now we believe that the reason for that is because of my press exposure. The fact that we went on a press offensive backed them down. It doesn't mean that my file suddenly went away. It probably just got pushed back on somebody's uh, desk for later uh, use. If in fact they needed to get their numbers up. But this would put me squarely back in their sights. And it would because the video that you took shows the Oath Keepers weren't there. The other video that the prosecution showed from the other side, it didn't show any Oath Keepers, but the allegations were they were there. Is that correct? That's correct. That's exactly correct. Wow. And mine is exactly 100% what they call exculpatory. It proves that the FBI's own testimony was false and that their insinuation of a crime didn't exist at all. (laughs) My video. (laughs) So for sure, the FBI doesn't want it to be shown. Hey, Steve. So I told my attorney, I told my attorney, I'm willing. Oh, my gosh. Let's go. You sound like a, uh, a nut job from Louisiana, like I am. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, buddy, we're going to wrap this up. But here's what I want to promise from you for. If uh, before this show ends, we've only got 35 minutes, but if, it, if that comes out, if something comes out and you get some hard information about the hearings or any of that kind of stuff, call back real quickly. If not, when you hear it, would you give me a call later? And uh, what we'll do is we'll go on the record for the show and uh, we'll air it tomorrow, that segment. But uh, this thing is really getting serious and I'm really concerned for you. I would recommend one thing to you. You need to have another heart-to-heart with your attorney if you are contemplating doing it because, uh, I mean, you're in the midst of a cesspool and there's no telling how desperate they are to keep the facts from getting in the public purview. And that's exactly what your video would do. That's correct. Okay, buddy. Well, my prayers go with you. And uh, use your um, use your wisdom uh, <laughs> to make this decision. Don't let the emotion. I know you. You're an investigative guy, and you want to get to the heart of this, and you want the truth out. And it's almost like you're willing to take the fall to protect your buddies, the Oath Keepers. I don't know if I want you to go there. I'll trust the decision that you make, but please make it prayerfully, okay? Will do, Dan. Thank you so much. And call me. Let me know. I want to make sure that you are okay and tell me what you're going to do before you do it, okay? We'll do it. All right. All right. Talk soon. 
All right, man. Thanks. On the ground in Washington, D.C., Steve Baker. Wow. I mean, I knew and he knew that this was a real cesspool of uh, corruption that he was walking into. But he feels called to that. And uh, you, you can't tell somebody when they sincerely feel something that they need to do for the right reasons, and that is to get the truth out there. You can't tell them not to do it. So you can't do it. I just did. I told Steve, don't let that video be put on the record and showed in court because the FBI will come after you. That's the FBI. Think about it. They're coming after intimidating witnesses for this trial that were going to testify for the defense. And the FBI is knocking on their doors and saying, hey, we're now letting you know we're investigating you for insurrection. And they hadn't talked to him before about it. Oh my gosh, the federal government, your government, my government, they're doing that right now. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Ah, luxury. The aroma is full-bodied, the flavor is decadent, the touch divine. And the drive? Yes, the drive of luxury is simply infinity. Introducing the Infinity Luxury Test Tour. If you think you are familiar with luxury, you haven't driven an infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove invites you to truly become familiar with luxury and take a luxury test tour. It's like a test drive, but with more luxury. We invite you to drive luxury to luxury, not for an hour or even a day, but for an entire weekend. Your choice. Select your Infinity and motor off to a luxury weekend in Lake Tahoe or Napa Valley. And yes, all the luxury is on us. Introduce yourself to LuxuryTestTour.com and truly become familiar with luxury. Infinity of Elk Grove is literally giving you the keys to a luxury experience like none other. LuxuryTestTour.com. Drive luxury, drive infinity. Infinity of Elk Grove. Expect more. Yo, some people think it don't make sense that I'm a horse whisperer. Fancy prance, yo! But you know what else don't make sense? Bye. I mean, it's good for you, but still somehow tastes amazing. Sideways fancy prance, you heard? Yeah. Clippity-clop, clippity-clop. Yo, I just whispered all of y'all. Too easy. Bye. Five calories, antioxidants, and tastes amazing? None of this makes sense. In the clown car of the deep state, you will never find a greater den of scum and villainy. You need a hero. Here again, blaster in hand, is Dan Newman. Well, I at this particular point, I gotta, I gotta take a back seat to uh, Steve Baker when it comes to heroes. I can't imagine he's been there for, as you heard, six weeks, and uh, this trial is very critical and very important. Why is it so important? Now, listen to what I'm about to tell you. It's important because the United States government is going after individual Americans who went to Washington, D.C. 
for legal purposes, they did nothing wrong, and the FBI, the Department of Justice, has worked diligently and still is to create a scenario to somehow prove that these people not just broke laws, but broke insurrection laws, which comes with a mandatory life sentence, just to prop up a political narrative that they were trying to overthrow the government. The left, those on the left politically, are that desperate. And that's why I'm telling you I am positive And I'm not a conspiracy theorist either, but I'm somebody that looks at facts and determines from stacks that I get how and what the reality of them are. It's election day, and we still don't have any winner (laughs) in the Powerball election. I don't know. I haven't been monitoring it since we've been on the air. But let me tell you what we'll do with that interview that we just completed with Steve Baker from Washington, D.C. After the end of the show today, this whole show, every day, right after it ends its live run at 11 o'clock Central, it is picked up immediately by all of the podcast sites, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, iHeartRadio Podcast, even Amazon picks it up. So you can get the whole show there. But if you want to miss the first hour, and the first hour was pretty good, I got to tell you, but we'll we'll pull out the segment with Steve Baker, and we will post it on our front page, truthnewsnet.org, truthnewsnet.org, and you'll be able to grab it there. Also, we're announcing today that every day when we complete one of our shows, we're going to post that show in a story by itself every day. So if you miss the show, you don't necessarily have to go to Apple Podcast or one of the others to get the show. You can come back to truthnewsnet.org and just grab it there. I don't know why we've never done that, but we've never done it for some reason. Who in this organization has failed to do that? Uh, that would be me. <laughs> I'm apologizing for it. So guess what? In election news... Two blue states, it looks like, are going to flip red today as last-minute momentum boosts Republican gubernatorial candidates. So as every candidate gets ready for victory today, a gust of last-minute momentum seems to be shoving two unlikely Republican gubernatorial candidates over the line in deep blue states. The same polling firm that shows the Republican Party is poised to take significant gains, possibly even control in the House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate, that same poll is predicting that Michigan Republican gubernatorial candidate Tudor Dixon and New York Republican gubernatorial candidate, who's a congressman now, Lee Zeldin, both of those, this polling agency says, are going to win. The last midterm poll from Trafalgar Group, conducted from November 5th through 7th, 7th was yesterday, found that slightly more likely general election voters were planning on voting for Dixon over the incumbent Democrat Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer 
in Michigan's gubernatorial race there, although the polling had over 54.5% of respondents identify as Democrats and only 37% as Republicans. Interesting, right? If the election were held today, 48.5% of likely voters said they would vote for Tudor Dixon. And that compares to 482s who said they would vote to re-elect Gretchen Whitmer. Why is all this happening and happening so late? I guess more and more people are tuning in to what's going on politically as they got closer to today, November the 8th. Tudor Dixon began her rise in the polls after hitting Whitmer during the first October debate on the prolonged and strict lockdowns enforced by her administration during the COVID pandemic. You remember all of the craziness that went along with that? I mean, she shut everybody down. She was sending cops out to arrest people at restaurants and service stations that stayed open after her COVID-19 pandemic lockdowns. And in the middle of that, she, of course, got busted. Her husband called a lake up in northern Michigan. They have apparently a big boat. Most people would call a big boat a yacht. But he called up there and said, hey, I want you to get my boat ready for me to use. And that that, uh, boat place was locked down by his wife. (laughs) And the guy said, wait a minute. I'm not supposed to do that. And Gretchen's husband made a big stink about it. He then called the news and it went public. But she did stuff like that all the way through. And she just doesn't give a rip about the people up there. So their final meetup, Gretchen Whitmer and Tudor Dixon, covered the important election issues for Michigan voters, as they should, the economy, school safety. After hitting Whitmer on critical race theory and gender, or sexual ideology in public schools, Dixon accused the governor of being silent on the issue, of there being sexual content and pornography in school books. During that clash, Whitmer jabbed Dixon over her push to end extra-liberal ideology in schools, asking her if she felt books were more dangerous than guns. And, of course, Gretchen Whitmer, politically correct as a Democrat, is all for abolishing the Second Amendment. Tudor Dixon responded and said that she stands with parents and that there are dangers all over for children, as we all know there are. Well, in his fire and brimstone speech last week, you heard some of it earlier in the show today, Warren democracy was on the edge of the abyss. Joe Biden suggested that Democrats have a monopoly on the truth, and he called Republicans liars. Ah, man, that sounds like something a great leader would say, especially the leader of the freest, fairest country in the United States, in the world. Biden slammed rival Trump for the big lie, questioning election integrity and proclaimed it fueled the dangerous rise in political violence and voter intimidation. Voter intimidation. Not heard of any of that going on. Anyway, the president continued, in this moment we have to confront those lies with the truth. The very future of our nation depends on it. There's just one problem. Democrats have foisted upon this nation 
their own litany of lies, and they call their lies, what do they call them? Truths. They include one that polls show swayed the 2020 election to Joe Biden's favor. Biden himself falsely proclaimed he had nothing to do with his son Hunter's business dealings, and his son had nothing to do wrong, while Democrat allies falsely branded a laptop that disproved those falsehoods as disinformation, actually Russian disinformation. In fact, we know now the laptop was real. Joe Biden did meet with several of his son's business associates. He was offered, Joe was, a key to one of his son's offices, was listed as the big guy for whom 10% of a China deal was potentially to be reserved. And Hunter has now admitted that he failed to pay his taxes and he's under criminal investigation, reportedly paying off his back taxes earlier this year, while his own emails show he had been warned as far back as 2016 that he was a scuff law on taxes related to his Ukrainian payments from Burisma Holdings. And I can tell you exactly what went through Hunter's mind. Hey, that money's being paid out of Ukraine, so if it doesn't show up over here, I'll keep a lit keep it in a foreign account in Europe, and I don't have to report it on my income taxes. Polls show that Americans today might have voted differently then had they been told the truth in 2020. In other words, Democrats have their own version of a big lie from the last election that they got to answer for. And the lies have only accelerated since Joe took office. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Oh my gosh, he's got to go. And the House needs to impeach him if the House is taken by the Republicans. Alejandro Mayorkas, unilaterally, on his own watch, has flooded our nation with illegals. Mayorkas routinely and falsely declares that the U.S. southern border is secure, a proclamation debunked by the fiscal 2022 year-end stats that show 2.4 million illegals were encountered crossing the border, 600,000 more that got away, 98 migrants suspected terrorist ties crossed into our nation, about 850 migrants died trying to get in. The record is so bad that Mayorkas' own Border Patrol chief declared there was a crisis because there are no consequences for illegally penetrating the border. i got to be honest with you. I, I don't live far from the border. If you look at the whole of the United States, northwest Louisiana, it is several hundred miles down there. But I cannot, in my wildest imagination picture an environment where any leader in government would think that it's okay to allow anybody to break federal law. And yet this president, Alejandro Mayorkas, Homeland Security Secretary, and a bunch of others, especially Democrats, they don't care about there being broken federal laws. Federal immigration laws are very explicit, and it says very plainly Anybody that steps across our southern border without having a formal invitation from our government is committing a criminal act. And it says, in federal law that was passed 
By the way, while Joe Biden was in the U.S. Senate and he voted for the laws, when they were passed, it said exactly what our government was supposed to do when someone does step across our border and is doing so illegally. They are immediately at government expense to be returned to their nation of origin. Yes, some of them will file emergency notices, asylum notices with the appropriate court, and they're supposed to be sent back until their court date. They come back then for a hearing. All of those things have been in federal law for years. And of course, all of these Democrats, they want to flood the nation with illegals and then eventually get them citizenship, get them the right to vote and prevent any conservatives from ever being in the federal government. Certainly, Democrat Party would control it forever. That's what this is all about. Mayorkas' truthfulness has been further called into question the last few days by revelation showing that Hours before he held a news conference, you remember that false narrative that those border agents had been whipping those illegal Haitian migrants? He was warned before the press conference that the narrative about whipping them wasn't true. His own department said it wasn't true. His own department's inspector general concluded, no such whipping occurred. Agents acted according to their training and the Border Patrol Rules of engagement. An Obama-appointed judge in September delivered another truth bomb to Joe Biden and the Democrats, who spent much of 2021 claiming that Georgia's new voter ID and citizenship checks were Jim Crow 2.0 racist and would suppress votes, creating enough of a racket even to force Major League Baseball to move its all-star game from Atlanta and cost all of those minority owners, business owners around the stadium, the ones that would be making millions of dollars from that Major League Baseball game there. U.S. District Judge Steve Jones debunked that whole voter suppression thing, ruling that Georgia's election integrity practices that require voter ID and citizenship checks He ruled they are constitutional, compliant with the Voting Rights Act, and not racially discriminatory. And oh, by the way, with this all hanging out there, voter turnout in Georgia is soaring these midterms in spite of the pleas of we've got voters that can't get to vote because of this wicked, evil voter ID and citizenship requirement. Bobby Charles who's a longtime congressional investigator and an official in the George W. Bush administration, he said he thinks truthfulness is on the ballot this fall because voters are tired of the Biden administration claiming it is truthful when it obviously is not, and he cited the Afghan withdrawal as an example. He said, I think Americans have gotten tired, and I really mean the word tired, of being lied to. He said that in an interview last Thursday to John Solomon on John Solomon's podcast. They know from telling us that Afghanistan was a great success and people look at it and say, who are you talking to? We can see the facts. That's a complete lie. Telling us that your energy policy 
and you're overspending, you know, pulling in $4.1 trillion and spending seven points to something that created inflation and that it's all somebody else's fault. It's the Russians' fault. No, it isn't. We're not stupid. We know what's going on out here, and the average American, the average moderate Democrat, the average thoughtful Democrat, thoughtful independent, thoughtful Republican knows this isn't like shading the truth. This is promoting something that is utterly untrue and is a lie. Democrat dishonesty is not limited to big elaborate political storylines like the Hunter laptop or the Georgia election narratives. We got little ones that pile up every day. Last week, the Biden White House was forced to delete a tweet that was flagged by Twitter for claiming that Joe had increased Social Security payments to historically high levels. The president, no president, has ever, and this one certainly doesn't, have anything to do with cost of living increases for retirees. They are set by law. The increase for this upcoming year for Social Security checks, it happened solely because of Joe's inflation practices, maybe he ought to tell Americans, hey, I spent $7 trillion and look what we're getting. You're getting about a 7 or 8% raise. And taxpayers are going to pay for that, by the way. Biden kept making the claim in speeches, even after he knew it was of a whopper. On my watch for the first time in 10 years, seniors are getting an increase in their Social Security checks. That was in a rally in Florida last week. That is patently false. Social Security makes its annual basis on the cost of living for increases. They occurred through the Obama and the Trump years before Biden. I'm the guy, first one in history. Representative Brian Babin, you don't hear much from him. He's from Texas and a Republican. He said a biblical thought came to him while he was watching Biden proclaim Democrats on the truth in his speech on Wednesday last week. Babin said this, you know, one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. No noise television show. And I don't think that President Biden has ever heard that before. And I tell you the truth, I wouldn't want to be standing next to him on Judgment Day because he has borne so much false witness against his neighbors. It's incredible. Biden even falsely described the whole process, how he forgave hundreds of billions of dollars of student loans, telling young voters late last month he just signed a law to erase the debt. I got it passed by a vote or two, he said, and it's in effect. Was he vapid or was he purposely lying? And again, earlier in the show, we talked about people saying that Republicans are authoritarian, that Donald Trump was a dictator wannabe. And I explained that Joe Biden has signed so many executive orders and put them in place because he doesn't even attempt to go through the legislative process. And no president has the right legally or constitutionally to forgive student debt. If it is to be given, it has to come through the U.S. Congress. 
And the program hasn't kicked off yet, and as soon as it does, it's immediately going to be slammed with a bunch of lawsuits, and the first federal court the lawsuit goes to are going to temporarily put a hold on it while it's being going through the court appeals process. This guy is dishonest, and there's no other way to explain it. According to almost every voter in the nation, hands down, inflation, Bidenflation, is the most important issue on their minds as they go to the polls today. One poll taken of 1,500 adults in the first week of this month found 68% they're going to be thinking about inflation a lot when casting their vote in this election. That's a higher share than any other issue. From the border to guns to abortion, save for the economy, which scores 73%. When asked what the single most important issue facing the country is right now, 27% say it's inflation, followed by 10% each for health care and the economy and jobs. You know where the Democrats missed it in a great way? When the Supreme Court overturn of Roe v. Wade was announced, even before it was announced, they made a decision, and it was very obviously they chose to make abortion their go-to issue that they were going to use to win the midterm elections. And I think we all know it failed. It totally failed. They avoided talking about inflation. They avoided talking about the economy. They avoided all those things. They went straight to abortion, and they found out very quickly more of this nation is pro-life than they thought. And somebody somewhere, I promise you, somebody somewhere said, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, we made a big mistake. And I'm not laughing at them because they made a mistake. I'm laughing at them because I just don't think that, in large, Democrats have their finger on the pulse of America and and very seldom have and especially this very obvious hard cold push to the left by the Democrat party and its leaders Americans are just summarily rejecting it I promise you the election results today are going to show Democrats you mistook you took us for granted and you shouldn't have He'll never let you fall to the lies. Your bulwark against the tide of fake news. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation. We've been giving kids scholarships. Like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up. Hey, listen. Steve Baker will be giving us, sending us information. We'll do a audio We'll probably do it this afternoon or tonight, but make sure you come back tomorrow for the show because whatever he comes up with, the details of whether or not he's going to allow his video 
to be entered into the court record, which is a really big deal. I mean, any investigative reporter, that's a really big deal. Hey, guys, thanks for being here with us today. This is the most romantic song I have ever heard. Listen. Three in the morning, I can't be dreaming. I'm wide awake, watching you sleeping. And I realize there's no place that I'd rather be. I reach out to touch you, my heart starts to race And at the touch of your skin, there ain't no mistaking I'm lost in your eyes, I see all that I need to see I'm feeling new things, every time that I hold you I'm telling you things, I would never
Place that there. 